What's that? They're plugging in. Let's do that. The Cult of Hockey podcast. By the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you tonight? Good. I had forgotten to plug in a cord at the start of the podcast, so that <laughs> rustling around and panic look on my face was about that. So hopefully this sounds, is the sound okay at your end? Last time I yeah. did it, started to <clears throat> get a little weird. The sound got a little weird. How's my sound at your end? You're a little quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll push my mic back. Okay. All right. Mic issue, I think. <clears throat> so we meet tonight on the on the event of the Oilers 6-3 uh, victory over the Nashville Predators. Bruce, it was a game that the Predators wanted to lose more than the Oilers wanted to lose it, which is mm-hmm. say, which is saying something, given, given how many chances the Oilers gave to the Predators to get back into this thing, to get up and to get up uh, early and then to get back into it. Uh, but the Oilers, absolutely sublime skill of their top line. Um, paid off. I'll just go quickly go through the scoring numbers uh, of the top line. Hyman, three goals and an assist. Drysaddle, two goals and three assists. Playing against the Washington Generals. His personal Washington Generals. Connor McDavid, one goal and three assists. This it was an amazing performance by the top line, which we're going to get into. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it was a big night for the big line, we'll go. We're going to go with two point five good things. And uh, as soon as Bruce is back, he's back. Bruce, mm-hmm. why don't you do you want to start it off with your good thing? Yeah, uh, might as well go with uh, um, big man Leon Drysaddle. Um, talk about. Uh, uh, well, he had five more points tonight. Do you hear me okay? If you get a little closer to the mic, maybe it's yeah. still a little. Yeah, this mic is dead. So I'm speaking, I think, to the computer. So Okay, you have to get close then. It does yeah. help when you get close. I can hear you a lot better when you're close well, to that computer. Well, the computer's way over here, so hopefully that's a bit better. So Yeah, that's a bit better. If it's not, we should think. start again. Okay. No, it's good. Okay. I can hear you. All right. Sorry, folks. My microphone's getting issues these days. We've got to fire our sound text, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Both of them. <laughs> they should walk the plank together. Anyway, uh, Leon had a second five-point game in the season, both of them against Nashville Predators, his personal whipping boys, who he's now scored 20 goals and 10 assists in his last 10 games. Oh, okay, so they must be sick of the sight of the guy. Uh, well, I'll just focus on his two goals, uh, uh, both of them uh, lethal shots. Uh, one on a late first period power play. Uh, and a uh, special shout out here to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's really starting to specialize on this cross ice pass now. That's not just coming from uh, McDavid, but also Nuge is doing this cross the seam pass and he's finding the seam, and then he's finding Leon at the other end of it. And of course, Leon is finding the net with regularly, regularity as he has done for years. And uh, there was uh, Nuge made two passes like this in the, in the recent game, uh, uh, two 
two different power play goals. I think that was against the Habs, maybe, but uh, uh, or was it even the Wild on Friday night? And then uh, tonight, another beauty, and uh, Leon lashed it home to make it three to one. <clears throat> uh, five seconds to go in the first period, a real killer goal that uh, uh, established Edmonton's lead. Uh, and then in the second period, oh, and Nashville scored early in the second to. Uh, uh, cut the lead to 3-2, and within, seemed like seconds, uh, I guess it was, yeah, 57 seconds, and uh, the the uh, Oilers broke out, and three guys sort of won battles, or at least made plays to chip the puck forward within Edmonton territory, and they got the puck to uh, dry settle at about the Edmonton blue line, and he just charged up the ice to... Uh, uh, I came in on the left wing, and because he was going so fast, his usual wrist shot uh, added the extra momentum of his speed on the ice, and it just ripped past the goalie, Kevin Lankin, and bulged the twine and came flying back out at the same speed. What just a rocket of a wrist shot to, to uh, reestablish the two-goal lead. And ultimately, that was the one that stood up as the game winner, Leon's eighth game-winning goal of the season through 30 games. He's got eight game winners, three more than any other NHLer. And uh, 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 two two examples of his lethal shot. And then, of course, he got assists in various ways on uh, three other goals uh, for just another night of owning the Nashville Predators. The Predators, Bruce, they used to be such a going concern against the Oilers, right? Like, you'd go to They'd play Nashville, and it was almost like the Wild. It was almost like guaranteed last night. But that has changed in the last little while. And um, right from the start of the game, even when the Oilers got down, when I was thinking, man, the Oilers are kind of slicing through this team. They're not, they're getting, Nashville seems loose on defense. They don't seem able to stop this Oilers team. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised at the end of the first one. It was 3-1 to one because... Um, Edmonton was a, was fairly dominant. Now, the, in the end, the grade A shots were fourteen to thirteen for the Oilers, and um, the, the five alarm shots were nine to seven for the Oilers. So, not such a margin in the grade A shots. Um, Lankinen was had one of those nights where he didn't look bad necessarily on on any of the goals against, or not many of them, maybe one. But he needed to make more saves. He needed to mm-hmm. come up big. Good luck with that, though. It's interesting. Yeah. Like the executioner shot that Drysaddle got off at the at the end of the first period was was an all time classic. Yeah, uh, even for that kind of shot, it was kind of like the archetype mm-hmm. uh, of that shot. And um, you're right, Nuge is finding that pass. Just think what a nightmare it is for the opposing teams because McDavid <laughs> can do it. He like the oh, finally we stopped, we stopped him from making the crossing, and then it goes to Nuge. And I like actually when Nuge is in the um, McDavid goes down the wing, and he, so he's a threat. He can't make it, so then he puts it in the high slot to Nuge and Hopkins, who can either shoot mm-hmm. or set up Rysaddle for the executioner shot. Oh. That is a great play that they have going on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was trying to explain to my wife, like she was asking me, like why does he go down on one knee mm-hmm. to shoot that? And, and like, what's the purpose? And I, and I, I don't have an answer. Like, I don't, it's so, I don't think that's very common. Like who else has that kind of shooting stride and style? Maybe anyone? 
Like who else shoots the puck yeah, like I, that? I, yeah, I've seen that. Now I'm just trying to think who's uh, who who does it consistently. Uh, gets down and gets leverage uh, on the on the puck from from getting down on it, and sometimes even to to uh, get under the shot a little bit and get it upstairs. I've seen I've seen players who do this. I'm just struggling to think of one right off the uh, top of my head who sort of trademarked it. But uh, Leon does get down there to uh, to get behind and and even you know a little bit of uh, underneath leverage on the shot to get it. Yeah, that one went right up into the roof of the net. I mean, good luck stopping that one. It, it may help you launch it right, get it mm-hmm. up high right. You know, in yeah. top shelf where Mama keeps the cookies. Mm-hmm. Fleming says, um, so he, he that's part of it, right? Um, that 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 is that's that's one of the reasons he would do that, I guess. And, and more bend of the stick, right? Like you can get a little bit more bend of the stick uh, as you're pushing it harder on the ice if you're lower against the ice. So that might be another reason. Anyway, what an amazing shot! And that was a beauty. That was an all-time beauty for the executioner shot. Uh, my good thing, Bruce. Connor McDavid's goal, um, the fifth goal of the game, big goal because they were up 4-3. And, um, well, you know, one of the ways Nashville indicated they, that they wanted to lose this game was by letting in a goal with a few seconds left in the first period and with a minute left in the second period, McDavid's goal. And he just shot up the ice. And there was two specific moves where he dangled the puck first to the side and then he pulled it back and shot which were kind of all-time deep maneuvers. Mm -hmm. They were so swift, so deft, and so Mm -hmm. thrilling. Like, honestly thrilling for someone who tries to stick out of the puck themselves now and then. It's just, it's so glorious to see an absolute master of that art. Uh, So easily, effortlessly, eyes up, head up, not looking at the puck. Um, Pull off those moves. His handling of the puck is... You know, I guess what comes to mind is some of the basketball wizards uh, with the basketball, you know, um, over the, you know, Magic Johnson, uh, some players like that who are just absolutely fantastic with, you know, with the ball and making that, you know, dazzling with it. And uh, that's how it is with the puck. In terms of stick handlers over time, I mean, he's bringing back in a way, Bruce, because it's hard to stick handle around players now in the NHL. They're also good, technically gifted, mm-hmm. fundamentally sound defenders who can all skate. So it's hard to keep these guys, but he just does it consistently. And he's in, in some ways he, he's, I mean, he is in a league of his own in terms of that skill. And uh, that last, that, that fifth goal was a, again, that was a prime example that we've, uh, of course we've seen many such prime examples, but that was the latest one. I think was that Matthias Ekholm that he victimized there? I don't know. I don't know if that was. You know who's really uh, Kale McCarr is the only other player I've seen in, in his own way who is as deft with the puck as McDavid. And I don't mm-hmm. in a different way. I don't know if he's quite the stick handler. He's mm-hmm. he's very darn precise with that puck though, McCarr. He's a little he's a demon with it. But uh, anyone else in that league right now, even like close? For the old dipsy do Yeah. Oh, you're cutting out there. I hear that that static sound again. So if your microphone's trying to work, but not quite working. The mic and it seems now it's working. 
Okay, I'll try not to touch it anymore. It's working. Okay. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about deft with the stick. I mean, dry saddle is very deft with the stick, but not really in that same way no. of, you know, one-on-one -on -one no. stick handling. He can beat people one-on-one -on -one occasionally, but it's not, so, he'd rather beat you with a pass. Uh, but uh, McDavid, when he gets going like that, I mean, this was uh, uh, the both the last minute goals, by the way, were power play goals in a game that the Oilers went two for two with two shots in one minute, 17 seconds. Dry Settle took a shot, scored, and McDavid took a shot, scored. And meanwhile, Nashville had five power plays, eight minutes and 34 seconds, including a 40, then plus a 43 second, five on three, no goals. So this was a huge part of the game tonight. And it just those were examples of different ways the Oilers power play could beat you. And tonight their penalty kill beat them as well. So that was a, that was big. But uh, yeah, that's um, uh, stick handling. No, I, I would say McDavid's number one and McCarr is number one among defensemen. But I'll take McDavid against McCarr in that particular art. I was trying to think of historical players like McDavid. And the, the one guy that popped in my head instantly, Bruce, is and he's he's a lesser version obviously because there's only one mcdavid but gilbert perot mm -hmm. um pretty pretty high lesser but yes yeah. yeah he was uh he was quite happy to come at you one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two and and, and so fast feet and yeah yeah same kind of mm -hmm. like because lafleur isn't like mcdavid he's different kind of player right and and um you know harlamov different medano different it's different kind of player although Medano's kind of in that Medano Perot David kind of idea but mm -hmm. yeah, of course Gretzky but uh, he, he but had so his own yeah. he had his own way of doing things but uh, making defensemen look silly was uh, was uh, very much in his arsenal <laughs> oh that's for sure Gretzky was just such a trickster there's no, there was only one right there can only be uh -huh. one Gretzky He's just such a unique hockey player. He played hockey in a way, you know, McDavid plays it in some ways like no one's ever played it before, but it was on the conceptual level that Gretzky played the game differently yes. than other players. Whereas yep. McDavid's skill level is so much yes. higher. And, but it's the same skills that we've always seen. They're just at this high, high level. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen another Gretzky that thinks the game the same way like he was just a genius in his own right and when he went away uh it was like bobby fisher retiring you know from chess there just wasn't going to be another one and uh, no matter how advanced the game became there wasn't going to be another one and i'll say what's the that, same about wayne gretzky what's that great dimitrov igor dimitrov quote about gretzky Oh yeah, haiku. yeah. I love yeah. It's the, the found haiku. He comes from nowhere. He passes to nobody, and a goal is scored. I love that line. I could hear that every day of my life. It's my favorite. I saw it, and I went, "Hey, that's a haiku." Five seven five. <laughs> wow, it's perfect. It's even got sort of the surprise in the last line. If you don't really know where it's going, you know, and a goal is scored. Why? Well, yes, it is. <laughs> it's it just so summarizes Gretzky's game mm -hmm. uh, the way he played hockey. All right. Uh, our point five good thing, because we can't forget this, mm -hmm. Zach Hyman. And all of his goals were kind of gritty goals. They were Zach Hyman-like goals. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll just start yeah. with the first one. Uh, it was uh, Evan Bouchard uh, made a really nice play. He uh, he 
kind of did a hard slap pass to the side of the net and Hyman uh, uh, ramped his stick, got it, got his stick acting as a ramp and ramped it up over the goalie on a deflection. So uh, that was, that was Hyman's first goal. Zach Hyman's now sits. Um, where in terms of NHL scoring, I just was looking this up. He is, Nugent Hopkins is uh, 18th. Nugent Hopkins is tied for 15th with Alex Ovechkin, Steve Stamkos, Jack Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and Rup Hinson, Nathan McKinnon. And Zach Hyman is tied for 30, uh, 22nd. He's got 33 points along with William Nylander, Mika Zabanajab, and Rasmus Dahlin. Hmm. So the orders are... Pretty good player. Four guys with 30 points in 30 games, eh? Amazing. Like this is uh this is a team that's got some good pretty good players. And if they can get some goaltending, um they'll do okay. All right, Bruce. Uh Hyman's second goal. Oh, your voice you must have wiggled the sound. There we go. And I'll take the empty netter. Oh, this, the second goal was he was just jamming. He what happened? He he jammed the puck at the net and just kept jamming at it. It was a rebound off a dry settle shot, I think I recall. Yes. Dry settle hammered it, and he's getting the rebound and he's just keep, keeps fighting and fighting at the side of the net for another very Hyman like goal, um, putting it in that way. He really has. Uh, boy, they're getting uh, value for the dollar off Hyman and Nugent Hopkins this year, Bruce. Yep. Ken Holland must be a genius. <laughs> well, for everyone, he, he cost a five million dollar cost uh, forward. It's uh, it's got a third one in the van der Kane. I think all of them are living up to that you know that level of play for sure. You know, five million dollars seems like a fair price. For all the things. Efforts, it's really staticky. For all the things. There you go. For all the things those guys are doing, I think they're uh, uh, they're they're covering the bills. I think that you know there's issues elsewhere on the roster for sure, but uh, sort of that second tier of uh, strong NHL caliber forwards, and obviously they're missing Evander Kane right now, but uh, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins continue to carry the mail. Indeed, it's Nugent's best season. And and not only in, on the attack, Bruce. I've I you know I've often criticized Nugent Hopkins in the past. People who listened to me over the years would say he's not a strong defensive center. He should be on the wing. You know I'm going to eat those words. He's he is playing strong defensively at center this year. Um, I've got no complaints. He's finally that. found his man strength, David. I mean he's 29 years old, and he's starting to win like strength battles, or at least you know his share yeah. of them. And he's not getting pushed around. Until he's 40. Yeah, yeah. And tonight he had a great shift on the three-on-five. And one thing I've noticed I've done this year is they've dialed back on Leon's penalty kill minutes, even on the three-on-five that he used to specialize. And I wonder if that's to do something, you know, presumably that ankle that people keep whispering about. Uh, but Nuge lined up on the three-on-five and he had a terrific shift and he even took the puck down and spent a bunch of time down in their end of the ice Ragging it down in the corner and you know killing off you know an extra few seconds down there, and you know uh, he so he's a, you know special teams he's a real ace for this team on on both special teams. 
So Hyman's That's third important. goal. Hyman's third goal, yeah. It was just uh, they pulled the goalie with three minutes left, and uh, Oilers got the puck out once. And, of course, they sent out the first line that was doing all the goal scoring tonight, and uh, uh, they shot it into CeCe's corner, and he tried to fire it out, and Drysaddle chipped it right out of the air. There was a great end zone replay that showed it. That puck was going to the point man. Uh, until Leon got a piece of it with that big paddle of his that he got so many pieces of so many pucks and he chipped it by the defenseman and up the boards. And then it was just a race to the puck. And it looked like Roman Yossi, uh, the former Norris Trophy winning defenseman, Roman Yossi, you know, who uh, had the inside track. And it's not, not like Hyman's a speedster, but he's such a dogged skater. Like he never gives up on the puck and he goes full speed full speed on the on the puck and in this case he was always going to come in second in the foot race but what it what came in first was his stick and he anticipated and he reached out and he just picked his stick and it was officially credited in the play-by-play as a poke shot and normally oh sound sound inside the most poke shots and um, this one was from like 35 feet or something, and he, but he just reached it and chipped it, and sure enough, into the net she went for his first career hat trick. So he and his mates were pretty happy about that. I always, I always find it interesting to see how a team reacts to a player who does something, and uh, it's pretty clear that Zach Hyman's a very popular teammate. Okay, here's I, I'm going to bore people with another 1970 sports reference. If Zach Hyman's skating reminds me of the skating of a former Oiler who was well a former Oiler who was well known to fans of Alan Mitchell Low Tide. He he, he Hyman's skating reminds me of Stan Weir. Oh yeah? Yeah. He's a big guy like Stan, kind of a bird uh-huh. like you know, square. And he's just all hustle when he's mm-hmm. skating. Not nothing smooth about it. Right. But hustling, hustling, hustling. And going hard, you know, all arms, elbows, knees, legs, going after that puck, but getting there fast, uh, kind of mm-hmm. a bigger guy, you know. So stand, that's my uh, stand makes, here. Makes a beeline for the puck is what he sure. does. And he doesn't slow down before he gets there or when he gets there. He just is going on it and on it. And he's, uh, uh, he's you know, he's just so dogged on the puck once he gets there. But in this case, it was just a matter of getting the stick in there and getting that one touch and hoping that it was on target. And sure enough, it was to uh, uh, to finish the job on the uh, first career hat-trick. So way to go, Zach Hyman. Stan Weir had two 30-goal seasons for the Oilers, 31 and 33. Uh, Bruce, um, what's your bad thing? Yeah, you know, I'm going to... Say, I wasn't real thrilled with Brett Kulak's game tonight. And I just thought he struggled. He had uh, he played most of his time with Tyson Berry and uh, a little bit of his time with Evan Bouchard. And uh, I've got it up here. And his time with Evan Bouchard uh, was, they got outscored two goals to zero. Like he was minus two on the night. And they both happened to be with Bouchard in just under three minutes together. Twice they were, they were victimized. Uh, for a goal, and on one of them, they uh, sound. Sorry, Bruce. There you go. 
think I can hear you now. Should be working through the mic, and the mic keeps cutting out for no reason. I'm getting exasperated. Is that nice? I can, I can see you're getting exasperated. This is a nice mic that we got specifically for this podcast. Anyway, uh, and on the on the one goal, uh, I mean, they kind of got left to their own devices. But first, Bouchard left his feet, and then Kulak left his feet, and they wind up just, you know, nobody actually made a play on the puck, and they were able to make a shot that went upstairs. And I just thought he he was uh, um, he skated good, but he was struggling to win battles. He was struggling to get the puck out of his zone. And the Oilers got clobbered in shot metrics, like nine shot attempts to 26 when Brett Kulak was on the ice, which kind of, to me, it's not just the number, but the number that matched the eye test, like the two kind of went together. So he didn't stink. I just didn't think he had a strong game. And so Yeah, I haven't liked him and Tyson Berry in, the, in a few games now. They mm-hmm. started out okay together, but man, they've been getting... Uh, Making a lot of mistakes on grade eight shots, and it, they're they're being used together on the PK. I don't see it. I don't see it, Bruce, and I don't think I am ever going to see it. Like Tyson Berry on the PK, I like Tyson Berry for mm-hmm. a lot of things, even an even strength defender at this point against the right competition, but not on the PK. I think that's a really major tactical mistake, and they would be much better off even going with uh, Philip Broberry at this point, I think, than, than Tyson Berry out there. Broberry's a big, rangy guy. Um, I just don't see how he's going to be worse than Berry. And Kulak is a, you know, he's fast and he's he's good with the puck. He He's, ha- he's had his struggles on defense this year, consistently. He's not um, stepped up yet at this point. He still might. My bad thing, Bruce, is one of the goals you mentioned that Kulak and Bouchard were out there for, but we didn't tag them as the primary culprits on either uh, either of them on that goal against. Mm-hmm. In fact, and I don't know if they mentioned this in the broadcast or focused on this in the replay. I couldn't find a replay that really showed conclusively they what didn't. happened. But I watched it closely, and this was one of our, our the, the pet peeves of the cult of hockey, the bad line change. And was this... <laughs> did Holloway play after that? Did he get back? I was wondering if he got mm-hmm. injured because he came, he got a hit in his own end. And so, and the puck goes out of the Oilers' end, dry settles, forechecking a bit. And both Nugent Hopkins and Holloway try to change behind dry settle. And they're both, the other team has full possession of the puck when they're both going off the ice. There's, Nugent's line change was weak. Holloway's line change, unless he was badly injured, was atrocious. Yeah. And um, he just left them wide open. It became a four-on-two all of a sudden. Yeah. It, it, out of nowhere, a four-on-two developed. And um, a goal resulted. So um, that was a wicked bad line change yeah. by Dylan Holloway. And... Um, yeah, Nuge put in a pretty good shift, but he... Uh, and, you know, it was time for a change, but he stopped skating. And he sort of glided to the bench, dry sidle style, from about the center red line to the bench. And it was the second period. So the guy coming off the bench, who I think was McDavid, and he was at the forward end of the bench, so near the near the far blue line from where the Oilers net was. And he even had to sort of go around. He waited until Nuge got almost all the way there. He didn't jump the gun like many do. 
And then he had to go around Nuge a long way around. He never got in the play. And then Holloway, with Nuge already sort of committed to the change, Holloway decides, this, you know, this is a flat-out rookie mistake. There's no other way to put it. And it's at least a second type egregious line change on Holloway that's cost the team a goal this year. And uh, this one did as well, because all of a sudden there was no center, there was no forwards uh, in defending this attack. And like I say, it was basically a four on two, and the two defenders were left to slide and dive and fall about, and uh, <laughs> neither of them was able to make the stop. So it was, but I, I definitely that was on the forwards, and I say especially the second guy. When you have a multiple player bad line change whoever's the last guy to try and make the change is usually the biggest culprit is my take that's on the rule it. i agree as a general rule it's usually pretty foolproof mm-hmm. yeah okay what's your number bruce yeah okay well i'm going to go with some amazing numbers from edmonton's first line tonight which are mostly good but a little bit bad they got all six of edmonton's goals in the six to three win were scored by the first line six out of six which is great for them a little bit of sports scoring would be nice. Uh, they had six goals, seven assists on the night. Uh, they had 17 of Edmonton's 37 shots on goal. The three players, uh, McDavid and Hyman, tied for the team lead with six. And Leon was third with five shots on net. Nobody else had more than three. And it was just a game where that line... They also dominated on shot shares. I won't give you the specifics other than they were all running in the 60 to 70% range. And with a couple of defensive foibles, I thought McDavid had a couple of iffy moments watching the puck in his own zone. But uh, uh, overall, I mean, the first line, this was a night where, I mean, obviously any night that they stack the first line, the Oilers need him to carry the team. But to score six out of six goals is going above and beyond. Uh, it's just a spectacular night's work by the uh, by the three big scores. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Bruce, my um, my uh, number is two, and it's this, and it refers to the second game in a row that Matthias Janmark has made a play, which I have noted. Um, which really impressed the hell out of me because it's such a veteran play and it's such a when, when we talk about veteran players and what they add to the team it's this it's this kind of play and it's something that Dylan Holloway should pay attention to and um, every young player on the team so both in both plays the voters were in their own end for extended periods of time um, la, last game it was a, a defense the, the defense pairing had been out there forever and they were just totally exhausted and if they didn't get off the ice soon, they were, there was going to be a goal against. And Janmark won the puck in in the blue line area and re- got it out of the zone. And not only that, he just was so – you could just see his mind working. It was, I'm going to take this puck in the offensive end, and I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to shoot it at the goalie and have it miss the net and come careening back – careening? Right word? Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the Oilers' end. I'm not going to uh, just give it up lightly i'm not going to try to dump it in and have it not go anywhere get knocked down i'm just going to hold it i'm going to hold it as long as i can and puck protect to give those defensemen time to get off the ice and watching that i just was full of admiration for the player because he's really working for his team at that moment he's not trying to score he's not trying to do anything he's just trying to get that puck in a safe place so players can get off the ice and change and that kind of awareness 
goes a long way in winning hockey games. And he did it again tonight. And I think it was when CeCe broke his stick or was without a stick. If I'm not mistaken, it was CeCe. Mm-hmm. And again, Hyman got won the puck and advanced it up the ice yeah, and just held it. Held it, held it, held it. And then there was a, a safe pass he could make. And he made that pass. And by then, of course, CeCe had his hockey stick. So. Janmark, not Hyman. What's that? Janmark. Janmark. Did I say? Yeah, you said Hyman. Oh, yeah. The second time. You're talking oh. about Matthias Janmark. I meant, I yeah. meant uh, Janmark Nyland. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which is his hyphenated last name. Yeah, Janmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just great veteran play by Matthias Janmark. Way to go. Uh that's the kind of play that will uh, win, you, win the coach is over, I think, because they're paying attention. Absolutely. To the they're watching, and they know. So, I've been impressed since preseason at how solid the Yanmark is along the boards and winning battles and controlling the, the board battles and moving the puck in the right direction. Just subtle little plays, not necessarily you know uh, point producers, but just ice tilters, you know? And I think he's a smart player, and he's uh, he's bigger than than you think. Like he's, I think he's over 200 pounds, and uh, uh, pretty strong, and and uh, um, pretty smart. And you know, it was kind of a, it was not quite criminal, but it was a real shame that they, you know, he got sent out to begin the season just because the cap crunch was so severe. But this is an NHL player through and through. And there's no reason to sort of tire him with, oh, well, he's just a call-up from the AHL brush because he should never have been a send down to the AHL without the, you know, without the, the crunch Oilers found themselves. And this is a this is a tried and true NHL class, middle six class player. Like I don't think you want him on your top line, on your second line's a bit of a stretch, but he's holding his own there. And on the third line, he's uh, he's ace. Like they yeah, wind up and he's on the third line in the playoffs. That's that's nice, you know. Yeah, I think he could be a really excellent player on a checking line. I think that's his mm-hmm. real role. Yep. He's only got three points in sixteen games. So I mean, I, oh. you could see some people being frustrated with him. He's oh. one of these guys who aren't scoring, who I'm not frustrated with at all. I think mm-hmm. he's getting the job done. Bruce, I want to add one number to your McDavid Drysaddle <laughs> Hyman. Right. So we we said the orders had uh, fourteen Grade A shots. <laughs> Those three had eleven of the fourteen. <laughs> So they were the shooters. Yeah. 11 yeah. of the 14 oh. grade A shots came from their sticks. Hyman um, with, with five McDavid with four and dress settle with two, both of which were goals. So. Yeah. And I'm going to add, here's a 1970 sports reference, uh, 20 goals in 10 games that Leon has against Nashville. And it reminds me of the not so great, but incredible oiler killer. Peter Sullivan of the Winnipeg Jets, who in the 1978-79 WHA season scored 20 goals against the Oilers in one season. And my recollection, they played 14 times. I looked that up, but my recollection is that he didn't play all the games. And I seem to recall someone like Jim Matheson saying he'd scored 20 goals in 10 games against the Oilers that season. And I just remember him killing Edmonton. Two goals here, four goals there, you know, every time they play. And he was, and this was his career season, the last WHA season. And he was uh, just one of these little water bug guys. And they just couldn't contain the son of a gun. And he got 20 goals against one team in one season. And that victim team was, in fact, 
your Edmonton Oilers. So. He scored 46 goals in 80 games that year for yeah. the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, well, he played all the games then. So, okay. Yeah. Because it was an 80-game season. So, anyway, maybe it took him a while to get going. I do remember them saying 20 and 10. But he got he got 20 goals that season. And I saw about 12 of them because I had season tickets. And he kept killing Edmonton at the, at the uh, Coliseum in particular. If you ever wondered what a WHA looked and felt like, well, tonight's game had that mm-hmm. WHA loosey-goosey feel to it. You know, WHA games were like a lot like that, where there was bad defensive plays and uh, lots of mistakes and lots of the goals. And, As opposed and, to last night's game that apparently had one mistake in it, and the Oilers made it and lost, and, and a game that was barely <clears throat> fit to watch, David. Yeah, I thought Connor McDavid on that particular play was actually the primary culprit with Bouchard. You know, they might have been kind of equal culprits, but McDavid was every bit as bad, like to single out Evan Bouchard, which the coach did, apparently. I didn't hear the interview, but uh, it was the coach who did it. I just think they need to be careful about that. Letting make like, you know, it's it's a team game. And well, the, co- the coach just said it was one mistake, and I'm not sure he singled anybody out, but I know. Oh, is that right? In, in the, yeah, in Are the sure? subsequent uh, coverage of the game, uh, uh, Bouchard was singled out for being the defenseman who made the mistake, even though he's a defenseman on entry-level contract and the forward is on the highest contract in the entire league, but apparently it was the defenseman's fault, according to uh, 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 Sportsnet writer Mark Spector, who wrote about this game. And uh, I thought he was a little harsh on uh, Bush myself. Well, it's clearly, I mean, Bush made a, he gap is an issue. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the right gap at the right time, and he lost a little bit of gap on the guy. He, took, he almost took the puck off his stick, and then the guy had to take a different route to respond to where the puck went, and that kind of fooled Bouchard. And in the meantime, McDavid picked up the guy, a uh, goal scorer, coming over the blue line. He had him, and then he let him go to watch the puck. And, uh, Connor will do. They did it tonight on a trip on a five-alarm shot. He was watching the puck as it was passed into the slot, and we had the same same issue where there was a wide open shot. And that's the one where Jack Michaels or Lou DeBrus said, oh, he tapped Campbell on the head, making the save. Darn right he did. You know, it was McDavid's mistake and Campbell saved his bacon on it. So, I mean, McDavid's a fantastic hockey player. He's a very good defensive hockey player much of the time or a good defensive hockey player to be, to be more accurate. But, you know, he has his slip ups and like every other player and, and your mic is now dead again, Bruce. And, Sorry to say, I can tell that. I think you got it going on now. How about now? That's good. All right. One one last thing we got. I think we got to at least acknowledge Jack Campbell in this uh, podcast, who couldn't have had a worse start to this game. Uh, On a minute and ten seconds in, he faces his first shot, and it's a sixty-five foot floater from the blue line. And Cody Cece tries to play goal on it, and he does so badly. Uh, the puck goes through Cece. Campbell never sees it, and I think it chips off of Cece's leg and just drops it a little bit. It's going about eight miles an hour, and it just finds this little hole between Campbell's legs, and you're sort of thinking, how is there a hole there? You know, if you can't see the puck, you know, drop and block it, and it goes right through his legs and dribbles into the net. And I'm sure every Oilers fan in the entire Oilers nation was going variations of double palm, I just face palm and then I just wish Bruce and and, you know, (laughs) 
And I will give Jack Campbell huge credit. I thought he bounced back and he played, you know, not great, but I thought he played a pretty darn okay game tonight. He's top 29 out of 32. Maybe one of the goals, maybe. Uh, the, the one the, the one coming across, I thought Skinner would have had it because it's just a different way he would have come across without the hole in the mm-hmm. in the middle on the on the one that, that was a pretty tough shot. But it was a time. it was a hard shot. Yeah. yeah that was so bang, I mean, bang. it wasn't the goalie's fault per se. I just thought maybe it could have been stopped. But I, I thought he bounced back and and his uh, he showed some real stick to itiveness because you know when you're looking sort of six or seven minutes in the first period and they got one shot and it's already one nothing for them and that, uh, anyway uh, so had to get him back in there and it was absolutely crucial that he come back and have a successful game and in the end he did and, and he did so in the face of serious uh, I would almost call it trauma the way it started for him like it couldn't I, trauma for the fans yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, because we were initially, I'm sure everybody, and I sure Twitter exploded with Campbell sucks. Like initially, it looked like it was his fault, right? You actually watched the slow mo replay, and then you see, ah, oh, it went in off CC. Like CC deflected that in, and that's a tough play. He's he not only mm-hmm. deflected it in, he screened totally screened totally screened his goalie, and he deflects it in. All right, I would have given like CC. I would have. I like Cody CC a lot as a hockey player. He's my spirit oiler. He's the the hockey player that I model my game after as a beer league defenseman. I would have felt so much better about him, though, if he had just immediately turned to Jack Campbell and said, that's on me, buddy. That was me. Yeah. And, you know, he just hung his head. CC hung his head because he was also, he just said, oh, geez, you know, yeah. it's terrible when the puck goes in off you as a defenseman. But poor Campbell. <laughs> Poor Campbell having to face that. Like, right. like Very first shot. Very first shot. So I was sort of wondering, you know, is this a case where the defensemen are thinking they need to play goalie when Campbell is in there? And I was really kind of worried about that for a while. And then, and then they uh, uh, they started letting him see the puck a little bit, and he started making stops. And you know, like I say, he wasn't great, but he was good. And after the way that game started, it could have gone real far south. And uh, so good on Jack Campbell for bouncing back. So the Oilers uh, are now one point behind both Seattle and LA uh, in the division. Looks like there's looks like Vegas is going to win the division this year with Seattle, LA, and Edmonton and Calgary kind of battling it out. Mm-hmm. And maybe Vancouver. You never know. They might make a run. You never know. They're not that far back. They're four points back from Calgary. Um, so um, we'll see what happens. And they and they got a game in hand. If Vancouver wins its <coughs> next two games, they'll have 31 points in 30 games. And the Oilers right now have 30 points, 34 points in 30 games. Bruce, let's leave it there. And right. um, thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>